Hey everyone, welcome back. It's episode two and we are continuing our conversation with Mr. Ernest Krim III, author, educator, consultant, and we jump into the topic of what education currently is, how we can make a difference in the current system, and what education could be. I'm Joy Dertinger and this is 99 Lead Balloons. Season two, episode two. Your favorite black history teacher, part two. And in terms of what I do, how I would help out, like, you know, school districts and everything, when I talk to people, I, I follow like a very basic formula. Um, and I, I look at it in terms of this when I do mentoring, I call it like with my kids, I say, you, you don't have to find something outside of yourself to reach your potential. I say you just have to reclaim your crown. I I keep it real simple. Reclaim the crowns, RTC. So it's like finding who you were, which was what was before. That's the pursuit. Getting out of this matrix, right? Mm -hmm. So the the, the R for me is like we have restoring our communities. What's the problem that's going on here? How can we restore it? Again, if something's not working, we got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Every every educator now should be taught how to use mental health practices in class. It's basic. I know we don't mm-hmm. want to add more mm-hmm. to our plate, but our kids are they they can't even socialize normally now. Right. Our kids come to, come to class normally. They say, "Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? You play the game? Did you see the game? What's going on?" Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Now they come in. They got to sit here until they unmute. so that's trauma so the how how do we restore and for me because i'm only when i talk to uh kids you know it might just be for an hour then i'm going to another another school so i say and a part of restoring that personally revolves around what you recite to yourself Mm -hmm. so what's the narrative that you tell yourself Mm -hmm. how do you affirm yourself and it's not just as simple as waking up and saying i'm great and i can do anything you know it's really like getting to your core what are some of the things that you want to do with your with your life you want to uh uh, that you want to provide people with mm-hmm. that you what's the narrative that you believe about yourself because if you don't believe a positive or transformative narrative based in purpose the world has something for you mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the world is going to tell you that you fit here yep do this yep. <laughs> make this man a multi-trillionaire yep. and then what, and whatever <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> and even and, and beyond that what i so when i say with the t um so RTCT, we have to show our kids truthful barometers. So I, I, I like to express to, to schools the importance of showing people, our children, barometers meaning ways they can measure success. And kind of like you said, it's not just showing them that, hey, look, you know, we had a, a black mayor or we may have had a, you know, a, a Latinx uh, mayor or president or whatever. It's like, OK, character, though, mm-hmm. people who exemplify what you want to do or what you think should be done in this world. Mm-hmm. How are you all as a school culture? showing that mm-hmm. yeah you know are, 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 are you only praising kids because they got a 4.0 or they don't miss any days right that's not necessarily the best way to measure success mm-hmm. i mean because we we reward grit but grit can lead to an early death sometimes yep. if you're sick stay home yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> like, if you're injured check out the game yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah yeah that, that, that's smart that's smart and then right. the last thing is with the c um, that's just the overall reconstruction. So I'll play the C is construct. So after you build the person, after you show them different examples, now you have to say, okay, we're, 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 we build our steam up. Now let's recreate what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And in my culture, it's communal. 
it's uh, or even a principle of saying Kofa, you go back to get it. Mm-hmm. So, again, the problem with education now is I got it, but I leave. I never mm-hmm. go back. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you got it. Now give it back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because whether you believe it or not, everybody um, has somebody that helped them out and contributed to their own success. So yeah. um, I, I, it took a while to even come up with that concept. It seems simple to me, but it's it, it's it's simple in theory. But in practice, sure. a lot of people tend to revert back to what we've been taught and what we've been taught yeah. is in some ways wrong for what we need to solve right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what you're describing, too, is like years of work. Like people people hear it and they're like, great, I will just, you know, I will do all of those things. I'll do X, Y and Z and then everything's going to be fine. But the reality is that that's that's years of work. That's months of work. It's it's probably less like the earlier that you start, the younger you are when you start, it'll be less. But the the reality is that that's not I'm going to do this for a week and then it's done that's lifelong. That's, that's a major overhaul. Um, and I think, I think that's the thing that we, yeah, that, that like many of us forget and we don't think about these issues as being lifelong. And, um, and like what you're saying about, like, you can't teach your kid if they're, if they're hungry, when you go places and you're talking to them about, you know, you need to, um, you need to get to the core of, of what the issue is here and you need to create and construct. Um, we, we can't do that if we don't have the necessary supports. And, um, even to like uh, when you mentioned, um, mental health, uh, mental health techniques that, that teachers should be able to use. Um, yes, we don't want to put more on teachers plates. However, if we're going to reach children, we got to be able to reach children where they're at, not where we want them to be. Um, so one of my kids has a really hard time paying attention in class, period, whether it's in person or remote. But the pandemic and, and remote learning has exasperated it to the point that he, I'm not sure, I don't know. He's smart. He knows what's going on, but he doesn't care what's going on mm. because everything is so... He's so distracted by everything and then he gets mm-hmm. overwhelmed and he gets stressed out and he's like, moves on. He can't focus it, right? In the classroom, I know his teacher. In the classroom, his teacher would say, let's get up, let's move, let's find a different way to solve this problem. Let's find a different way to think about this and let's move our bodies and find a way to help you focus and stay on task. But now with remote learning, that's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Where We've got a whole group of kids, like you said, who... Um, are not getting that mental health side of things. And so if we, if we want to equip teachers and give them the freedom, give educators the freedom to reach kids on a different level so that they can learn, so that they do feel safe, then we have to, um, we have to change our expectations of teachers. We can't expect teachers to just, we can't use um, uh, like, like test scores to, to gauge how well, uh, teachers are doing in their position because some of my kids and I, and I know some of my friends' kids, it's for all, for us, it, I don't care really what, I mean, I want my kids to do well because I want them to understand so that they, that I want them to understand what they're learning so that they can move forward and choose what they um, enjoy and what they love. But I don't want them to just memorize something and spit it out on a test and have that be the the reflection of their teacher 
um, because some of my kids get great grades in classes where they have zero connection with the teacher whatsoever. And that teacher hasn't made a significant impact in who they are as a person. But then they might not get awesome grades in another class where they have a teacher that is significantly changing them. It is significantly impacting mm-hmm. their lives. Um, my kindergartner last year had, I think, four or five different teachers. There was an mm. issue with, um, with, the, with the teacher that he had at first, and then she moved to a supportive role, um, and all these different things. And they, they had a hard time finding a kindergarten teacher for, like, a class of 20-something five-year-olds in, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like, September or October. Nobody wanted that job. So, uh, <laughs> so we had a lot of different subs. And as far as, like, learning the subject matter, that was really tough for him. He was behind in, like, all these different areas. He behind in reading. He was behind in, in everything. Um, and it was just brutal. He hated it. We would try to work with him when it wasn't, you know, during school hours. And I hate it. I hate school. I hate it. And so we're like, okay, well, we don't know what to do. We can't get him to even try and then along came a teacher who, um, two of them actually, one was a long-term sub, and they were the last two teachers that he had and um, in kindergarten, and one, the first was a long-term sub, and she just started, like, focusing on teaching them how to feel what was happening in their bodies, teaching them mm-hmm. how to feel, like, what emotions they were experiencing and as time went on, he became a little bit more open to mm. learning. And then the second teacher um, knew that, that school was hard for him. And um, she was trying to help. They, she would do yoga with the kids and all these different things that helped them get this tension and this stress or whatever it was out of their bodies. And then finally one day... Um, He'd had a particularly rough morning, and she asked him to come up to her desk, and she said, hey, you're not in trouble, but um, do you like school? And he was like, no. Mm. And, uh, and she said, okay. And she said, are you scared of me? Because sometimes it seemed I, like I can't tell if you're scared of me. And he was like, no, I like you. You're, I love you. You're a great teacher, and I'm so glad you're my teacher. And she said, well, okay, what is, what's happening? Like, what is it about school that you don't like? And he said, um, well, I don't like that when I come to school, I don't know who's going to be here. Mm. I don't know who's going to be my teacher. And it was mm. right after she had, like, had two sick days and there had been a sub. And for him, it was just there were too many changes over and over again. And nobody mm. was a consistent support in that role for him who was making an impact in his life and so from then on um she would message me um every school night to let me know that she would be there and she told him i'll always be at school and if i get sick and i have to have a sub then i'll call your mom so that you know Mm -hmm. ahead of time and then every night i'd be able to tell him she's going to be there your teacher is going to be there in the morning Mm -hmm. and he started loving school And he learned how to, like, I don't know, maybe he knew how to do more than he was letting on. But he went from not reading anything to reading full books in, like, two months. Mm -hmm. 
And wow. that made a huge difference because she wasn't just, why aren't you getting this? You need, you know, to work harder. You need to try harder. You need to do X, Y, Z. It was about w- what's happening in you as a person and what's happening to, to keep you from learning. Because it wasn't that he couldn't learn or just didn't want to learn. It was something more pressing was impacting him. And he mm-hmm. couldn't. He couldn't learn. Mm. And I think that we see that more than we realize in so many children. Yeah. And I wish, that, I, I wish that that was something that we could shift things. And I think we can if we get enough people to imagine it, if we get creative enough, right? Yeah. So yeah. that teachers can do that more often. Um, yeah. But w- the way that the system operates right now, I'm not sure how that would how that would work, how teachers would be able yeah. to do that with all of their students. Um, the only thing that I can think of is like smaller class sizes, more funding for, you know, mental health training, um, trauma-informed approaches and, and things like that. And then providing more resources for schools so that kids know that when they go to school, they get to eat. That, so mm-hmm. that if they mm-hmm. need something, they're gonna, it's going to be provided at, at school for them if they can't get it at home. And not penalizing them for wanting to eat in class if they need to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So those are things that, like, I I think, okay, well, can we make that happen? But there seems to be, a, like, something, a disconnect or something is is not happening. Something is keeping those, yeah. those concepts from moving forward. Um. What do you think about, I guess, all of all of that? No, I, I think that's a great point you bring up. I'm glad you shared that story, too. I, I think that it, if we really want to change our society, we really have to start with our schools. And I don't think that we'll get any significant change at any level that's sustainable until we begin to realize that, you know, uh, laws are cool. We get them. We, I mean, we we have elected officials whose job is to create more laws. That's the job. Mm. I mean, and, and it's not always a good thing. You think when you really think about that, it's like they're creating more ways for things to be illegal. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's like, and, and, but if we're not changing the mindset of people or at least attempting to, mm-hmm. then that's just going to have to, uh, there's going to be another law on top of that law on top of that law. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a reason why when we said Abraham Lincoln is like, all right, we're going to stop this slavery stuff away with it but we didn't change anything else like then you have Mm. andrew johnson who goes takes away everything like we don't have a system in place that says this is what we we need to uh learn now to make society progress better it's no we have to maintain this flawed system of capitalism and i think that we're all we have this anxiety attached to it too because it's like well we don't Make sure kids get this grade to get out that they won't be able to be successful in life and they won't be able to provide for themselves and they, you know, they might do this and they might be that. That's, I mean, we, we, we say we're the most advanced, you know, country and civilization, but if we feel or if we have people who are a paycheck away from being on the streets or, yep. you know, our, our very life, our unemployment benefits, our stimulus check is beholden to people fighting over the most trivial things mm-hmm. or people who are worth billions and multi-millions deciding what's best for us, mm-hmm. then that's not, it's, it's nothing wrong with us. It's something wrong with them in the system. Yeah. And getting back to education, what you even said about like class sizes, way too big, mm-hmm. 30 kids, that's college now. That's, that's, that's like a junior college or a medium-sized college lecture right there. Yeah. 15 would be great. Whenever I had a class like that, 
um, 15 to 20 is awesome. But mm-hmm. then it's like, well, people don't because they already look at educators as people who are babysitters. Mm-hmm. So then they have one person evaluating, I don't know, maybe 20, 30, maybe more teachers. And they got to do 50 pages of paperwork. Yeah. But what does it mean when you come and see me twice? Do you really know what I'm doing? And then you mm-hmm. you juxtapose that with my data. Mm-hmm. You probably should be talking to the kids, honestly. Yeah. Like, interview the, <laughs> like I mean, because we if we're make if I'm making an investment. Right. Yeah. Anybody tell you make an investment, you might not see the benefits of five, 10 years down the line. So how are you judging my effectiveness as an educator based on my pedagogical practices in 2020 mm-hmm. when this kid might not realize that I helped them out until 2030? Yeah. I have kids now who follow me on social media who send me a message they're in college like cram, mm. blah, 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 mm. this impact. But they grade might have been a C, yep. might have been a B. Yep. What does that mean? yeah <laughs> what 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 does this this tier that's a, I'm, the more i think about it after going through this whole thing because we had you know when school abruptly kind of ended in march yeah. they told us not to change kids grade don't make don't make it lower anyway mm. so like what is a grade like what does that even mean because yeah. this semester we felt the same kind of pressure in a sense it's like but what does it even mean if a kid got an a uh what, what does it mean if they got an f mm-hmm. if the kid failed my class why would this kid need to take my whole course over if they failed because they didn't turn in three or four assignments yeah why would they have to pay extra money to go to summer school when they could really have somebody say okay make this stuff up and you're fine mm-hmm. Not like none of to me none of what we do makes sense but all of it kind of goes back to this old model you know we have we stratify people so it's yeah. it's the, the cast system the a students are here you have a special assembly you'll be you know, escort it out over here and we'll yeah. make sure you get this. And that's great. It is. I mean, you accomplish something great. Yeah. But again, Booker T. Washington said it best. I feel like, you know, success is to be measured by what you've had to overcome. Mm. And for me, it's like I, I, I posted a tweet. Um, This was like two years ago at this point. And I said, because every like March, no, not March, October, November, I go through this thing when I'm teaching. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. I hate it. Like, I hate it. And it's not because I hate teaching. It's because by, by October, the honeymoon phase is over. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, you got a stack of papers this high to grade. Yep. Uh, you got all these different pressures, all this paperwork, everything that's not just connecting with the kids. I just bam right there. Yep. And I said, um, we mandate physical education. But what about mental education? Yeah. So I, sh- I shared it again this year. It popped up in my memories. And it, it like it went it went viral on my Facebook page. Everybody was sharing it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I think that's a testament to like what you were saying with like these mindfulness practices. Some stuff don't need to be graded. Yeah. Like, you know, educate your teachers on how to do this. It'll help them, too, because when I, I've done it before in class, we take two or three minutes at the beginning and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there chilling, too. You, I did it with my Black Student Union Club before. We did it one minute one time. Mm-hmm. And the kids were like, can we do this more? Because mm. they don't have a lot of times where it's just silence yeah. for that. Like, and if we, it's funny because looking at even in the comments, people are saying, well, that's what PE does. That's a way to relieve stress. Mm. Yeah, that's one way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, but, but there <laughs> are other... well, there are a lot of, and, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to be exhausted every time I'm stressed. So I got to go mm-hmm. run a mile every time. Like, <laughs> and, 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 and to me, that's the same theory we're saying. I mean, kids, relieve stress by fighting too yeah that's physical education yeah. some people relieve stress by shooting people come on because it's got to be right. more practical ways so right. yoga meditation journaling yeah. like that that should be at this point in time in history yeah you have to like every course 
something should be implemented in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I should never feel as an educator that by me taking time to to tend to my kids mental health needs Mm -hmm. that I'm I'm, I'm getting away from where I need to be, you know. Right. In the back of my mind, it's like, oh God, I gotta hurry. I gotta get to the 1920s, though. I gotta hurry up. I gotta mm. like, but really, do I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> when, when these kids are like 26, 36, what are they gonna remember except for how I treated them? Yeah. I mean, yeah. anything they really want to know, they'll if if we're talking life expectancies and they're done with school at 18. I mean, shoot, they might have 60, 70 years to do their own research. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, I'm, I, I graduated high school some like six, I don't know, 16 years ago, 17 years. I don't remember. And in uh, most of what I've learned, I've learned as an adult because I wanted to know it. So I found out yep. a way to find it out. And now in the like, I don't know, in, in the age of technology that we live in, you can learn just about anything and and it's at the you know your fingertips and it doesn't cost anything overall um you can like that's you can learn anything and uh, and and that's the thing that um i think that especially when you mentioned like people saying well that's what pe is for you know that that relieves stress whatever well maybe for some people like you said not for everyone and it's but it's also like an incredibly ableist way of thinking not everybody Mm. can go run a mile not every kid can go do that my son my son has asthma you he can't go do what you're asking him to do he can't do however many you know push-ups and run back and forth and wall sits and blah 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 He's an active kid, and that's great. But if he's having a bad asthma day, he can't do that. I got to give him a different way to cope. I got to give him a different way to manage mm-hmm. stress. I, I mean, like, and it, and and it, it expands into the way that we address like behavioral issues in school and problems mm-hmm. like that. I, when my son was born and diagnosed with asthma, and he got older and he started misbehaving, I had to learn that the way that I disciplined in the past was not going to work for him because of his health issues, because of his asthma. I had to find a way to reach him, to explain to him why, you know, what he did was unacceptable or the way that he talked to somebody was not okay um, without creating such like turmoil for him that he would start crying. Because if he started crying, he stopped Mm. breathing. And so there are so many things that, you know, people say like, well, that's what PE is for. Or, oh, that's what, you know, high school counselors are for. Or, oh, that's what the social worker is for. This, you got to expand it beyond that because it doesn't mm-hmm. work the same way for every child. Everybody has their own unique mm-hmm. set of circumstances coming into it. And so you can't erase. It, it all goes back to what you were saying before. You can't erase a person's history you can't erase their generation and their cultural cultural history you have to include all of it in the way that we approach um the person yeah and yeah 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 Yeah, when when you think about this too as you're talking i'm thinking this through like how do we learn things as humans Mm -hmm. sitting down and forcing somebody to just write what you write on the board is the lowest form of intellectualism, of learning anything. Mm-hmm. Like I have, so my, my kids are seven, five, and nine months. I, if I, I don't care what I did. My nine-month-old is not going to learn from me 
lecturing her. Now, she will learn language because she's developing that yes. part of her brain. Yes. But um, how does she learn how to crawl? How does she learn how to walk? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like at, at, at its core, like, and as my, my seven, my seven to five year old, like the bike thing. Yeah. Trying, doing it. Yeah. Not watching a video. Mm-hmm. Now, now in, as an introduction, seeing somebody do that could help. Definitely. Sure. But not every day. You take one foot and you move forward and you do this and you do this. Like, no, mm-hmm. you got to fall a little bit. You got to brew. You got to get some scabs and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, my oldest loves gymnastics now. You got to flip. You can't you can't read a book on doing gymnastics. Right. <laughs> Michael Jordan, I'm sure, didn't read a book on how to play basketball. <laughs> right. You know, like it's it's so when. So I'm, as I'm thinking this stuff through, when we're teaching, I've learned the best. But when I, I like I like watching videos, but I, I like to, to watch and read and apply. But I told you my class in college, I learned the most from because I had to do my own research. I had mm-hmm. to write a paper. It mm-hmm. wasn't A, B, or C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. No, I had to research, put these things together. I had to mm-hmm. teach myself. And he just served as a facilitator to say, these, this, these are the possibilities. Yeah. So... When we have school now, papers are, are a great way. Mm-hmm. And not in terms of making kids, oh, the dreaded, you know, mm-hmm. 15, 10 page paper. It's, it's research based on something you care about and what you want to contribute. Mm-hmm. But then the, the issue that we have is, again, we have like a school to prison pipeline. So school sometimes mirror prison. Yeah. Kids are, are locked down in your class for 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but, but again, how do you learn best? Studies will show when you're moving. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're walking, if you're able to, if you're walking around, some of my best ideas come from going outside, going for a walk, going for a stroll. Yeah. Um, when I have a speaking engagement now, I'm, I'm making sure I stand up like I, mm. I I can I can do this sitting down. But the energy of standing up and moving, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like you, if if you <laughs> if if your car broke down, you know, like somebody said this analogy, people will more so help somebody if they see that you're trying to help the situation. So if you, if they see you trying to change the tire, they might pull up, oh, let me help you out. Yeah. But the, the pr- process is like, but you're trying to do something, you're moving. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you might figure out, oh, well, that's the wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't, I don't, I'm just throwing out ideas like Tupac said, I might not change the world, but I might hopefully spark the brain that will change the world because mm-hmm. we, we're, we're in for it. We're at the part now where everything is being still is being torn down. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't see it, honestly, but it's being torn down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people holding on to the old ways. It's going to take a while to build it back up the way it should be. Yeah. But having one teacher, 30 kids aboard, even if they all have laptops and devices, it doesn't matter if you give them a device with the same model. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like we have to figure out what it means. And in my mind, the perfect school is a campus. And we don't have people there who are trying to restrain and contain kids from expressing themselves. But it's meet with me for a little bit. This is what we're focusing on. This is what's going to possibly help you in your life. Uh, I want you to, as you go throughout your day, kind of reflect on it a little bit, do some research. And we're going to meet back up. Yeah. And the way we do school now is pro- the hybrid model might actually work the best. Like this, mm-hmm. the, this way. Like, I, I hate not seeing them in person. But, yo, I got some days with my students. I'm like, look, y'all. And I, and I get the vibe. I check in with them every day before we start the first few minutes. I know when they're not really feeling things. And I know when they kind of got, you know, some teachers may be piling on. Sometimes I may have been that teacher in the past. Mm-hmm. So I, I started doing some stuff like, OK, look, we're going to do Monday. I'm going to pick one other day than a Friday. You know, if you got your work done, you know, like you don't like 
I'm not about to pack load on this stuff for what? Yeah. <laughs> for what? Yeah. It's it's get get what you need to get done, and then I'll see you Friday, and then we're gonna reflect on it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's kind of what we, we just need to figure out how that can work, because again, capitalism is we keep things the same way because our parents have to work to contribute to society and pay their taxes, pay their bills mm-hmm. to pay for the politicians yep. to make more laws yep. that we're going to break. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and now like we are, ha- we're being forced, like you said, to reimagine ways of doing things because things are being torn down because this is a time in our, in our uh, history that is everything is being re or should be reimagined because is not functioning the way that we used to do it anymore. None of that is is working anymore. Um, and so as we move forward and as we're trying to reimagine these ways of doing things and, and figure out how we can um, make changes, uh, that we've, we've made changes in the way that we work and in the way that we live so that we don't have to send our children to a building for eight hours a day necessarily. We can do it differently. Yeah, yeah. And actually, one of my biggest issues as a history teacher, it became this thing of because I, I love to get up and move around. Well, that's one of the things I love about teaching because I get to get up and I'm moving. I'm not sitting down all day. Mm-hmm. And um, but it became an issue where I'm like, I'm teaching history, but I'm teaching them by using a book or the Internet. You you have to really be there to understand it. Like mm-hmm. it's you nothing's like being in that museum or being at that historical site last year. My wife and I, my family, we took uh, three road trips. That was our thing. We just wanted, I wanted to drive everywhere. We went to uh, Destin, Florida for spring break. Mm-hmm. We went to Atlanta. Uh, we went to Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. On the way back from Florida, um, me being, the, I'm the history guy, so I'm always looking at historical sites. Yeah. We're driving through Alabama. It's my first time through Alabama. So I'm like, well, I want to see some stuff. Like I, I want to, I want to see. I mean, museums, you know, the bus boy, something like that. Right, right. And as as we're driving through, I'm immediately taken back because when I teach about the South, the only time I had actually been to the South, Atlanta, my aunt, you know, that's a big city though. Yeah. Um, Florida, but again, it's Disney World. Mm-hmm. It's Miami. Like I had mm-hmm. never really seen. No, even Mississippi, it was Jackson, one of the I think might be the biggest city. I never really seen the country. So I'm driving through Alabama and I'm like, oh, okay. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Confederate flags everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. then juxtaposing that to the homes that, oh my, and you talk about poverty. Mm. And it, it but then again, even in these situations, you see black and white families living really close together as I'm driving through. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving past a, a home that to me, it looked, I'm not sure if you ever seen Django Unchained, but mm-hmm. when I saw the house, it was like this mansion that looked like a plantation. And yep. when you talk about the impact of like trauma on your body, something in me like jerked and I'm mm-hmm. driving, I'm like, oh my God, this is, it was eerie. Yeah. So as we're driving through, I figured out, I found out there was this museum, it's called, um, what is it called? I think it's the National Memorial for Justice or something like that. Mm put together by the equity initiative, um, Brian Stevenson, they made a movie yeah, about him yeah, with yeah, Jamie yeah. Foxx. And, yep. and he has this memorial for lynch victims. Oh mm-hmm. man. It, so they have these, uh, these like stone pillars mm-hmm. and they're hanging from above for each County in the country separated by state. And they have the names of every victim from, I think the 1870s or eighties to the 1950s. 
every known victim anyway. And as you walk through the, you go down and you start to see this, it's like a, the symbolism is you see bodies and it's like they're hanging. Mm. And when you're going through this and you just start to see like, this is, you know, not exactly what it's like, but this is what it may have been like. You go inside, they have the soil from every um, historical marker in Alabama where these lynchings happen. Mm. And you're just like in awe of like this really, like it's not just what a picture, it's not just what I read, it really happened. And then my wife, family from Mississippi too, she sees a last name that looks familiar, calls her mom and finds out that's a, a relative of hers that was lynched. And you're like, wow, mm. you can't teach that in the book. You know, like when, when I, we went back from, uh, what is it, Myrtle Beach, stopped at a plantation. Because I, I was able to trace my ancestry on my dad's side to Florida, which they thought we all were like in Florida for a while. But I found out that it actually was South Carolina, then Florida, then Chicago. Mm. So I found a plantation that was right next to the county where my folks were enslaved on that side. And to see the plantation, again, you read about it, you watch the documentaries, it's, it's not even the same. Right. This plantation is in the middle of the woods, no phone connection. Mm -hmm. um, this huge house that was a mansion by the, um, he was the governor of South Carolina right before the South, South Carolina seceded. So he was the governor before the next governor. Mm -hmm. um, you see the pictures, you see the paintings, you see uh, replicas of cotton, you see the, the the kitchen that they worked in, the the where the homes would have been, the out homes and um, just the woods and, and it, it's real. But yeah. in the classroom, you can't you can't see that. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. we might be in a better situation now because I can at least we can do the Google map thing or yeah. one thing I did. I did did it twice this semester. I took my kids on a virtual field trip where I went to two places in the Joliet area mm -hmm. and um, they were kind of just watching me like, you know, I, I went to. Um, what is it called? Bicentennial Park in Joliet. Yeah. We talked about settling you know, the westward expansion and what that meant. Uh, I took them to Indian Boundary Road, which was a dividing line with the men with uh, westward expansion. You can't do that in school because if I walk out of my class, then like, well, shoot, I, I might get in trouble. Or, right. You know, I got to worry about <laughs> signing waivers and. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so again, what 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 is science if you're not constantly experimenting? Mm. What is history if you're not seeing the past? Yeah. What is math if you're not seeing how these problems can be solved in real time and, mm -hmm. you know, so on and so forth. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to be sensitive to your time, but I have just I wonder if you would just share a little bit about what you think about the next um, as we move forward. So I'm going to kind of, I guess, combine the last two questions, because I think then that's po I think that's possible. Um, <laughs> so what you're talking about is like, you know, is exactly what I would hope for, right? As we move forward, um, changing the, the way that we imagine education and changing the way that we think about teaching our children and experiencing education too. I would, I told my husband recently, um, I watched a, uh, I watched a documentary and it was fascinating and the storytelling was so compelling and it was, um, it was Ava DuVernay's um, 13th. I watched it mm. towards the beginning of the pandemic. And I told my husband, I said, I learned so much about history and politics from that. Um, and it's it's amazing. And I said, if that's how I could have learned about history, I would have paid more attention and I would have loved it. And I yeah. would have I would have understood more. Now, granted, I, there still would have been huge gaps in my historical education, but. 
it would have spurred me on to learning more. It would have wanted me, I would have wanted to do that more. Um, so as we move forward, what is, what, I guess, what is your perspective on the moral obligation to change our education system? Because there are people who are fine with it. There are people who think it's comfortable, it's good, it's whatever. How, how, what is our moral obligation to change it? How could it impact, um, you? How could it impact others in, in your community, whether that's physical proximity or those who share identities with you? And then how do, what is possible when we move forward? How Mm. do we do this moving forward to make change for the education system? Another great question. So I I guess the best way for me to start this would be, uh, so when I was, um, before I started writing my book, it was, I came across this study and I was trying to figure out the correlation between me having this self-confidence as a black man in America and and, and knowing my history. And the study says that it was a study by a professor from Harvard and the University of Pittsburgh that when black children are taught to have racial pride, they perform better academically. Mm-hmm. Now, they, that's a, a beautiful tagline. There's a lot to unpack with that. But on the surface, it looks great mm-hmm. because the, the thing is, they're saying when children are taught about themselves and, you know, positive aspects of their people, you know, going back to showing truthful barometers, mm-hmm. um, and taught to understand what's going on, they'll perform better. It's like if if you were to go out to the forest preserve and I gave you a map and I showed you, okay, there's going to be a coyote over there. It's going to be a, a deer. They're harmless, but still, it's a deer over there. Um, there's this guy, he, he lost his dogs, wandered around, the dog bites and has rabies. You know, like, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be aware of the issues um, that maybe other people don't have, mm-hmm. but because you're aware, you have more confidence. It's like, oh, well, now I know how to traverse. Yep. Now, even though this person's route might be a little smoother, they have their own difficulties, but I know mm-hmm. it gives me confidence. Mm-hmm. But we're in a situation in this world where, again, these kids, maybe they're born at this point, ooh, like 2000 and let's say six or something like that. Yeah. They're here. They don't know about 9-11. They don't know. They didn't experience none of this stuff that we grew up experiencing. So we're just dropping them here and it's like, okay, figure it out. And then by the time mm-hmm. they get to me, these kids, you know, 14, I have some freshmen in my elective class, but I say, you know, impressions on America, on this country, it's corrupt, it's crooked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it treats people bad. Mm-hmm. So if kids are saying that at a young, tender age, why are we then teaching them a narrative of history that says America is and has always been exceptional? Right. America wasn't built for the purpose of exceptionalism for everybody. It was for a few. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's the it's it's the people who fought back that made democracy true, and yeah. it's still a work in progress. Mm. That's what we gotta. To me, that's what education looks like moving forward. Mm-hmm. People who say it's it's great now are usually people who are who love quantitative data. Well, let's look at the data. Mm. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not great. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it might be great for you and your your population in this zip code, right? But it's not for all. It's Going back great. to like the school choice thing, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. It's uh, property taxes are funding schools. That doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> because saying- you got a bunch of kids who are getting less. They're, they have less access. Their teachers are have fewer resources. The school building itself has has less. Everything yeah. is less because right. of what? Pro- because of pro- property taxes. And, yeah, and then going to one of our former presidents, No Child Left Behind. Okay, well, shoot, if you want more resources, get better test scores. That's the exact mm. opposite of what that 
that tagline, it's 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 all it's hilarious when they come up with these laws, right? The Patriot Act means that I'm gonna take away all I'm gonna survey you all the time. Yep. Or no child left behind means a bunch of kids are gonna actually be left behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. So you're gonna reward my school for having more access, better resources, better tech programs, mm. and punish children who were born into a disadvantaged situation that was out of their control and say, mm-hmm. do better. Mm-hmm. Work harder. You think these kids are all bombing the test on purpose? No. <laughs> right. Like, it's, right. It's, it's not for them. Again, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Our kids need, they come in to take this test 7.30 Saturday morning. They want some food. I don't care. Mm. C, 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 C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> if people can ignore this data, if people can ignore the fact that we've had elected officials who can see data and still say it's a lie, Still mm-hmm. not say it's true. Mm-hmm. And then see the, the results of that with all these hundreds and thousands of deaths, whether it be from COVID or whether it be from healthcare issues in the past, because COVID is unleashing, is showing everything that we've always had as an issue. Yep. Because if we're saying that, you know, black and Hispanics or people in poverty might be dying at a higher rate, it's not because we're genetically predisposed. It's because I don't have any grocery stores in my neighborhood. Right, <laughs> right. Like we're in my old neighborhood, Joy, I couldn't find a salad. Like, where was I going? Luckily, my parents, you know, would, would try to do what they could. So we're going to drive 10, 15 minutes to a grocery store. But shoot, mm-hmm. if I'm hungry, I was a local chicken spot. It's a local hot dog stand. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a it's a local corner store. Mm-hmm. So that like we, we have to use what we like. Like you said, when our kids have questions now, they don't really need me. I can teach them how to filter through the nonsense on Google. Mm hmm. So education moving forward, like my, my daughter, my, my seven and five year old, they always had this ongoing debate of like some TV show they watch has something like a moon fairy and sun fairy. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> they think it's cool. <laughs> it is harmless. Yeah. And they always debate on what's better, the sun or the moon. So uh, they were asking me like a random question. Daddy, what's your favorite uh, flower? I'm like, I don't know. And then the, the, the sun daughter's like. The sunflower? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, sure, those are nice. My oldest is like, well, what about the moon? Is there a moon flower? And I'm like, I don't know. She said, why don't you ask Google? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I Googled it and something popped up. It was, oh my you know, God. it had a scientific name, but the nickname yeah. was moonflower. And it was grown in Mexico and South America. And so, I mean, moving forward, like, we have to find this balance between, of course, uh, equity and making sure that all our kids have access to the internet and things like that. Yeah, that's baseline yeah. <laughs> internet yep. access. If we can do that, then let's bump it up a level. Make sure all our kids are fed and mm-hmm. have what they need mm-hmm. and have comfort and stability. And then we keep looking at the data. Well, shoot, like it ain't it ain't even just black and Latinx folks suffering. Everybody's suffering. If you keep it real, like outside of these major cities. There's a lot of poverty in these towns. Yeah. So how is our education system going to address it? Maybe they need to come up with a different model because it ain't really education anymore. It's just yeah. schooling or, or teaching how to reproduce this this current catastrophe, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the one thing that has that has been good that our district has done, and I I think a lot of districts are doing it, but I don't know if it's uh, nationwide, is free meals for the kids. That has Mm -hmm. honestly made a huge impact because my husband lost some of his income. And could we make it work? Yeah, we sure could. But it wouldn't be very easy. And I know know there are families that wouldn't be able to make it work. 
and mm-hmm. the fact that they are offering free lunches and then they they expanded it so it's not just kids who are in school it's any kid in the household period and so i yep. have four kids they're not all in school but i get four lunches from my kids every day because mm. and and it's free and i'm not paying for it and right. the fact yep. that they're able to implement that now in the middle of a pandemic when funding yeah. is you know being cut it tells me that they always could have done it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yep. if it's possible now you've given it to us so now you have to continue it as we move forward and now you have to expand on it because if it's possible at like the height of the worst pandemic we've ever seen in this nation to my yep. knowledge then you have you can't take it back and say it's not possible and then when when we are all better off you you have to expand on it like you said, yeah. we have to we have to address the food is- issue. We have to address the hunger issue, um, and and now they can't say, "Oh, we can't do it." We now we know yeah. they yeah. can do it, um, yeah. and we can't yeah. take no for an answer. There, there's some type of fear that these uh, folks in power have that if they provide baseline resources for everybody mm. that these that we're going to get our food and say okay now let's go let's kill them it's, it's, it's something something that people it's something that because if like even with the stimulus you know what you can afford because you take it's our money like right. <laughs> i like to stress this to my kids like politicians are your servants they're supposed to be yeah like you yeah you had a restaurant they're supposed to what do you need how mm-hmm. what can i prov- you you employ them. They don't have a salary without you. So how can you determine then that when I need something now, give me my return on my investment. Mm-hmm. I invested whatever your $150,000, $170,000 salary is. Now give me, you can at least give me a check until we get this figured out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to me as a history teacher, this all goes back to some, some type of inherent fear that was passed down from when they saw poor black folks and poor white folks collaborating they were like this is dangerous when dr king started talking about uh you know poor people's campaign Mm -hmm. that was deemed this dangerous when fred hampton was assassinated in his sleep he was bringing the black panthers the young lords and the young patriots together that's a white political group hispanic political political group and a black political group together Mm -hmm. because they said we got separate issues but the commonality is poverty Mm -hmm. so you and they and they and the Black Panthers fed people without yep. government assistance. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, they, so they went like it, it, we can have a whole other conversation on the fact that charity shouldn't even be a need. Right. But it is because of this system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. So like you said, they they showed what they can do. So now that you've showed shown it, it has to be the it has to be the norm now, the new yeah. normal as we as we say. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Ernest, thank you so much for your time. I I really enjoyed talking with you, um, and I'm really excited to edit this. I'll probably release it in like two split episodes. Um, but thank you again so much for for taking the time to talk with me, to share, and and just so that we can all learn how to move forward together and make it make an impact in this area together. Um, where can people? Um, find out you know information about how to book you for consulting where can they find your book yeah. all those things yeah so they can uh, go to ernestcram.com they'll receive information there about booking me for speaking or consultations as well as they'll see a link for my book as well black history saved my life and just my overall goal is just to educate people on the 
the place we are currently stems from a place in history that's traumatic. But in order for us to move forward, we have to address it and we have to empower ourselves with that because that's how I empowered myself. Mm-hmm. So ErnestCram.com, um, at MrCram3 on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook, um, backslash MrCram the third. So it's three eyes. And um, info at ErnestCram.com too for email. So I look forward to continuing the conversation with anybody out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to link all that info in the liner notes as well. Cool. Thanks for having me. Come back next week to hear another conversation about the state of education, this time about higher education. You've been listening to 99 Lead Balloons, honest talk about shit society ignores. Special thanks to my guest, Mr. Ernest Krim III, for joining me. For more of Mr. Krim's work, follow him on Twitter at MrKrim3. Links to Mr. Krim's social media and other platforms are also available in the liner notes. Graphic and web design by Chris Campbell Creative. Go to chriscampbell.com for more. Theme song by Luciana Music Company, licensed by Premium Beat by Shutterstock. Produced and edited by Stoke the Wild Studios. To stay up to date on episodes and content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 99pod or go to 99pod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.